0: Welcome to The Primal Pioneer, a no nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. Hi everyone, welcome back. This week I want to talk all about mold and mold sensitivity. Many people are affected by mold exposure today. And uh, many of the people affected by mold actually become pretty debilitated by this exposure. So I know that there's a lot of people, in, especially in the alternative medicine world who have a lot of thoughts about this subject. Um, and they tend to focus on how bad it is. They put a lot of fear around this topic and people who have mold sensitivity hear these things and then they panic and it makes the situation worse. So, um, I don't find this approach to be helpful. Of course, we don't want to just turn a blind eye and ignore, you know, if there's heaps of mold in somebody's environment. Um, but uh, <clears throat> we have to understand what makes people. Uh, certain people sensitive to mold? Why are other people not sensitive to mold or as sensitive to mold? What can we actually do to start rectifying root causes of mold sensitivity? Um, And, you know, many, uh, excuse me, naturopaths and functional docs blame so many of our ailments today on mold. If they don't have an answer to somebody's you know, medical concern, if they can't figure out and they've tried things and like, oh, maybe it's this, this, try this, this, and, and you keep trying their protocols and their suggestions, but you still feel like crap, then, you know, I, I kind of feel like mold is a cop-out. It's like, well, it must be just some mold in your house then. It must be, um, that must be what it is, right? And so this response is infuriating at least to me because then people think like oh shit there's nothing I can do about it except for sell my hot house or renovate the whole thing or and mold remediation is extremely costly it costs heaps of money to um remove mold from a structure from a building and so um we need to there, there needs to be an approach and and this is my goal today is hey what can you do about it but also what are the root causes what's driving this issue how can we remove those root causes and what are some like real time strategies that you can apply besides bulldozing do- your house and taking a crap load of expensive supplements you know to help rectify the mold issue because here's the thing you go into another environment, and it has mold in it, and you've just sold your home or or spent literally thousands of dollars to renovate it and and remediate the mold, and then you just have the same issue. So <clears throat> here's the thing. Many people today struggle with mold, but just like when I talk about people who are sensitive to oxalates or... Who are sensitive to um, certain foods that have higher histamine, so to speak, levels. The same thing applies to mold in the sense, in most cases, in the sense that it's not actually the mold that's the issue, it's the organism that is out of balance and cannot handle the mold. It can't detox the mold because a healthy organism should be able to, hey, there's mold in my environment, I've, I've or I've just eaten something with mold in it, or, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, like certain cheeses, they just naturally certain foods, they naturally have molds on them as part of the, you know, fermentation process. So where I want to help people get is, okay, what's the root cause of your individual mold sensitivity? And what can we do to rectify this? Because we should be able to live in an environment that has some mold it's part of the ecosystem it's part of the environment it's part of our um gut microbiome right but we've gotten to this comp such a compromised state that when we come when, when certain people come in contact with any degree of mold it's a total shit show like they go into <clears throat> excuse me a real severe uh, almost healing crisis or they at least feel really symptomatic. So we're gonna talk about this today and um, I've actually had a lot of experience with mold. When I first started my alternative medical career in my early 20s, I worked with a lot of Lyme clients and I worked with a lot of mold clients and I worked with a lot of chemically sensitive clients. And today I also see a lot of these kind of cases, especially mold cases in my private homeopathic practice. And some people literally are debilitated by mold while others are affected, but to a lesser degree. Um, and, and this issue, I found that nobody's really providing these individuals who have extreme mold sensitivity with helpful insight around the issue. They just say, oh, don't go in that room with mold, take these supplements, open a window. Uh, So, you know, the, the the suggestions are not helpful. We're not really getting to the root here. So the other point I want to make, and I know I've mentioned this already, but I'm going to give you an example here because when my wife and I traveled to Mexico, um, the last time we went was a few years ago. And... We went to a very tropical area. It was very it was very much like living in the jungle. So we got there and there wasn't a laundry facility in the place we were staying. So we would have to go somewhere to do our laundry. Well when we first got there, you know, we we're like, ah, oh, a week went by, two weeks, you know there were more fun things to do than go and, and have your laundry done. So I think, you know, week three passed and we're like, let's let's just go do this. Let's do our laundry. Let's, let's get it over with. Right. And so I go to open the, the, the laundry basket and our clothes are just laden with like blue cheese mold. Like literally it smelled like a fresh chunk of blue cheese. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap. Guess we can't do that in this environment. But also if there's that much mold growing in this environment, or if things are that susceptible, shouldn't I be symptomatic? Shouldn't my wife be symptomatic? We, we really weren't feeling any of these effects. Why could we be in that environment that has heaps of mold and um, not be affected? Well, it, well and you put a different person in that environment and they would be totally debilitated. They might not even be able to stay in an environment like that, right? So um what the 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 message i want to really bring home here today is that typically it's not the mold it's the organism and of course there are some exceptions but for the most part if we can strengthen the organism then we can help them um have less severe reactions to their environment and natural things in their environment, such as some mold. So um, I'll talk about what you can do about it to reduce your sensitivity throughout this episode. I'm gonna talk about sunlight, and I'm gonna talk about how you can use sunlight to offset any type of mold sensitivity or um, exposure. Uh, I'm also going to talk about root causes of mold sensitivity, how the immune system is involved. I'm going to talk about penicillin's role in our uh, very, I would say, extreme mold sensitivity today in in many people. Um, And I'm going to talk about how uh, the gut microbiome is involved in this as well. Before I get into this episode, however, I want to announce that registration is now open for my homeopathic practitioner training program that's starting this fall, September 2023. This is a year and a half live course, so there's not going to be any like pre-recorded... This is not a pre-recorded course. It's me live teaching you all how to be classically trained homeopaths. Um, So the course begins in September. And you can head over to my site, heathershepard.com, H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com. Go to the homeopathy tab and you will see the uh, practitioner training course. Click on it, read about it, feel free to apply. Um, I'm capping the um, number of students this year at 12. So um, application for this program will be open until um I reach 12, you know, 12 students are enrolled in the program. And if you go to my site and you read about the practitioner training program and you're like, this sounds awesome, but I have, you know, a bunch of questions, send me an email and we can schedule a 20, 30 minute call just complimentary call to go over your questions to see if you'd be a good fit, to see if um, uh, the program would would work for you and uh, so forth. So I'm super excited about this, um, the next round of students. And um, as I said, you can go over to my site, the homeopathy tab practitioner training and apply and read more about the course. All right, let's get into the topic of mold and, Gosh, where where do we want to start here? Because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of ground to cover today. Let's start with how one even becomes sensitive to mold in the first place, right? Let's talk about this. So, uh, there's there's like three main things. There's three main areas we have to look at, and we have to consider when somebody is sensitive to mold. So when somebody comes into my practice and they're like, Heather, I really struggle with mold sensitivity. I can't handle any mold exposure. My body goes into X, Y, and Z symptoms. I don't know what to do about it. So what I consider, there's three main things that I consider right up front. In A or one is something I consider in every single case, which is genetic predisposition. So even with mold sensitivity, somebody has to have a genetic predisposition on the immune system, on the gut, on the gut layer to actually have, and this is in extreme mold sensitivity cases particularly, um, but there has to be a genetic predisposition in place um, for somebody to even have a strong reaction to mold. And this can be mold in the environment, mold, any mold type of mold-containing foods in a diet, right? There has to be a genetic predisposition in place. Maybe, um, And we think of genetic predisposition as something maybe our parents struggled with. We have to go back um, many generations. It's not just our parents. But the, the blueprint of disease, of physical disease, of mental-emotional disease stays in the um genetic blueprint and is carried on to each generation and if that is not healed what happens is then every uh generation that comes like let's take my generation for example if somebody in let, let's say how can i make this clear each generation becomes weaker. Let's say it like that. If if the genetic predisposition is not healed, is not addressed, then each generation born after this genetic predisposition is already in place becomes weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. More compromised, more compromised, more compromised. Okay, so you know, cause you might be thinking, well, my, my sister doesn't struggle with mold sensitivity or my mom or my, you know, so we have to understand that it's not always going to look that black and white. Like when it comes to genetic predisposition, we can take, let's take, um, alcoholism as an example, because alcoholism is very much um often runs in family lines and when that alcoholism isn't fully healed or addressed and it it's much more than you know getting sober and going to AA there's there's a lot more to it to you know erase that imprint from the genetic code so to speak but um that situation so let's say there's alcoholism in the family you're but you're born and you're you're in that family line and you're like, "Well, but I don't really like alcohol. I don't struggle with alcoholism." It may not show up as that for you. With alcoholism, it can show up as anxiety or depression. It can show up as mental health struggles. Um it can show up as a um tendency to um ulcers or ulcer-like eruptions on the body it can show up with very as very stubborn skin conditions so that's just one example and when it could that was i wanted to give you a really clear example we can also take mold as an example in, in genetic predisposition so maybe you don't see like you know everyone with mold sensitivity in your family line right In family line, it's not just your mother, it's not just your father, it's a combination of that, and then we have to go back several generations after your mother and father as well to get a clear picture of what the genetic predisposition is. With mold, maybe it doesn't look like, hey, you know, everyone in the family line has a sensitivity to mold, but maybe it is that some people have autoimmunity or struggle with their uh, um, gut health or struggle with their liver health. You know, these main detox organs or struggle with some issue that, that deals with the gut-brain axis, right? So um, I wanna make that really clear because things aren't as black and white as um, we try to make them because that keeps things really easy. Life and and health and sickness and healing and nature is very complex. So I want to really, really um, make a point to to um, bring emphasis around that. So for one, a genetic predisposition has to be in place. Number two, um, the immune system is going to be compromised. When it comes to mold, the immune system is compromised. Okay, point blank, um, a healthy immune system can be in a mold environment, just like me and my wife. When we lived in Mexico for six months, and literally there was, people are like, things just disintegrate here. It was, it, we were literally living in the jungle and they're like, things just disintegrate here because it's so humid. There's so much mold. And there would be these big, um, I shouldn't say big, but they were like pickup trucks that would just go around the village with mattresses on the back of their pickup truck and um my wife and I were like, wow, they really they really are are here with mattresses a, a lot, you know. There's at least a few times a week, people would drive around with mattresses, and we ended up asking someone, and they were like, Yeah, the mattresses even disintegrate and mold out, and so people have to change them like every six to twelve months. So um, so you know, for somebody who was mold sensitive, they would probably absolutely be on the floor in an environment like that. But when the immune system is in a more robust place, you can come in contact with, um, with, with mold and your body naturally takes in what it needs and removes what it does not need. And I'm going to talk about that more. Um, And we know the jungle also has very strong UV light all year round. And I'm going to talk about that when it comes to um, helping to overcome mold sensitivity as well. So we have, there has to be genetic predisposition in place Two, there has to be a compromised immune system. For those of you listening to the podcast, you know how that happens. The suppressive therapies that we've had um, since birth, even in the womb, and then even before conception. The suppressive therapies our parents and our ancestors have had all affect us in our constitution today. I wish it didn't. I wish it. I wish that wasn't the case. Unfortunately, it is, and I say unfortunately because all of us have been exposed for you know uh, generations now to suppressive therapies, and it has a huge impact on um, our health and then the other thing i want to talk about or or bring up here when it comes to mold and what makes somebody you know have this heightened sensitivity is penicillin. so penicillin was discovered around 1942 and they were like oh this is a miracle mold that heals and unfortunately mold can be it's not all bad. It's like, it's like how we've treated blue light, like blue light, all blue light is bad. it's like, that's not the case. Of course, artificial blue light is a shit show for your circadian biology and health. But, um, and, and when it comes to actual blue light and sunlight, and this is actually very timely because when there's blue light and sunlight and the more blue light, the more UV light is present at the same time. And these two forces, which I'll talk about, are very much an antidote to mold. Real blue light from sunlight, real UV light from sunlight. But what I want to focus on here is that penicillin, this mold-based antibiotic, came into play. And then we just did it to death, right? Anything somebody had, take penicillin. Your ear hurts, your throat hurts, you have something on your skin, you're feeling off today, your your ankle hurts. It was like everything you had, it just take penicillin, whatever it was. And so they totally exhausted this antibiotic and overdid it with us to the point that everybody's gut microbiome who overdid penicillin, there's just heaps of mold there. And if you think that mold just goes away a week or a month or even a year after you take penicillin, it doesn't. Unfortunately, it doesn't. We have to just, I I, I like to, ch- I know that sometimes when I um, say things, it's like, oh my God, that's horrible, right? But I want you to have all the information so you can understand how to get to these root causes of of what you're dealing with and we have to know the whole story and and the accuracy of a thing to really get to that point point. and so um when it comes to penicillin this is a mold-based antibiotic that many people were given especially as kids they were given rounds and rounds and rounds and rounds. And those that mold stays in the gut. So guess what? When that mold is just sitting there, even 20, 30, 40 years after you've had all of these rounds of penicillin, it's still there. It's not going anywhere um, until you address it. And I'm going to I'll just hold tight. I'll, I'll, I'll explain how to address that in a second. But when you have all of this penicillin in your gut and and thereby more mold, as soon as you get around any speck of mold, your body can't tolerate it because it's, all, it's already super saturated with mold. So it goes into this heightened immune response. So just taking some supplements and doing some genetic tests, like, yeah, sure, you probably have a snip for mold if you've taken penicillin and it's like, you know um, there's just boatloads of it sitting in your gut or, or lots of, uh, mold colonies in your, in your gut bacteria, right? It's like, that's so unhelpful or just avoid these foods that are mold containing super unhelpful, never going to actually, um, help remove the mold that's in your gut, the, the, the overload of it. So I use homeopathy to do, to do that because this is how we get <clears throat> mold, uh, uh, excess pen, let's say you've taken a lot of penicillin or whatever antibiotic you've taken. This doesn't just apply to penicillin, but we're going to, I'm going to use that as an example for the sake of today's episode. So um, you've got penicillin, you've taken, you know, maybe you've taken four rounds. I've known people who've taken 10, 15, 20 rounds of penicillin just relentless. They don't, they don't have any like awareness or care or, or, um, recognition that this could be a bad thing, like not a healthy idea. So, um, what happens is when you get these sort of, uh, suppressive therapies in your body, in your immune system, in your galt, they hold whatever was imp- whatever was going on at that time, it's like holding it under cement. And many people refer to this as biofilms. So, um, and it's more complex than that, but for, for simplicity re- sake, and, and to give you a visual here, let's say you have an ear infection, you take penicillin, the ear infection goes away. There's a little bit of cement there in your immune system, in your gut microbiome, holding that ear infection down. This is why you don't have symptoms anymore. The antibiotic doesn't kill nearly all of uh, the infection. It just suppresses it. So you don't feel the symptoms anymore. That in my dictionary, that's not healing, right? This is causing massive issues. Well, so then what? Two months later, four months later, six, maybe 12, the ear infection comes back, more penicillin. This time you need two rounds because your immune system has weakened from the first round. Now, well, two rounds of penicillin, now you have a nice solid layer of cement going on in your immune system and your gut microbiome or you know biofilm. In order to remove that piece of cement, I personally use homeopathy because of its ability to take the immune system out of a suppressed state, to break up that cement and remove it. So then guess what? When you start doing that, the ear infection starts to come back, which is what we want, because then we can address it in a way where where we don't have to use suppressive therapies. That's a very basic example. So, if you struggle with mold sensitivity, let's say you had strep as a kid, or ear infections, or UTIs, or whatever you had, and you got you got you got penicillin, or some of the acne creams they got they provided, uh, or mold based. This stuff could get into your body in multiple ways. And so today you have mold sensitivity because that mold from the penicillin is still in the gut. If you've never taken a round of penicillin in your life, can you still be sensitive to mold? Absolutely, yes, you can. However, I see very often that penicillin is involved in mold sensitivity cases. Is it 100% of the time? No, you can simply have mold sensitivity from a genetic predisposition and a compromised immune system. But when I see all three and then penicillin's added into the mix, that's when um I, I see that most commonly in my practice today. So let's talk about some things we can do about this. Of course, I've mentioned homeopathy, yes, and um that that's a huge way. That's That's going to help get to the root. But what are some other things you can do? Well, a healthy gut and liver will detox excess mold. Literally, there are certain strains of beneficial bacteria in your gut microbiome that actually binds to and detoxes mycotoxins from your body. So if you have an, an excess amount of mold of mycotoxins in your body, the bacteria in your gut will um bind to those and detox them from your body this is in a healthy gut a healthy liver this process will happen well you know not people with heightened mold sensitivity we know that process isn't happening and this is why i recommend homeopathy because it's going to help get that party started um in a, in a big way, in an effective way. But um, now, you know, people are also uh, maybe asking, well, what if I take a probiotic? What if I eat more sauerkraut? What if I eat more fermented foods? I'm just going to be honest. If you like those foods, go ahead and do it. I'm not a fan of taking exogenous probiotics because I think most of them aren't even alive. And The ones that survive your stomach acid are almost zero. So I don't waste money on probiotics. I never recommend them to my clients. It's not something that I feel is very rewarding when it comes to your health. We can do other things to stimulate or excuse me, to repopulate the gut microbiome. Homeopathy is the number one thing that I use and sunlight, which I'm going to talk about in a minute here, how you can use sunlight to help with mold sensitivity as well. But um. Um, where did I want to go? Oh yeah. So if the, here's why those foods and in, in the probiotics aren't, aren't really helpful because if that layer of biofilm is already in your gut and you can Google till the cows come home, you know, herbs and things that break up biofilm, go right ahead. All the power to you. I have found, I've tried that approach for years in the beginning of my practice. In fact, when I was at the um alternative medical clinic in in Portland that's what they used these um intense chinese herbs and some western herbs to try to break up biofilms no people would come back they're like it would work for like a week or two they'd come back and then their symptoms would be back and i was like something's off here something isn't working it's because they don't fully remove the cement the biofilms because How do you know if something is doing that? You're, you know, people think, oh, I'll feel some detox symptoms. Well, maybe, but what you will feel is um, the last, very last thing you suppressed, let's say it was a UTI, that will come to the surface. And that would be a good sign that you're getting rid of the biofilms. I never see people have these sort of symptoms like return, the return of old symptoms you know, the things that people are like, hey, I thought I dealt with that. Why is that back again? Actually, that's a really good sign when the the return of old symptoms occurs because it says the immune system is actually moving out of a suppressed state and it can breathe again. And then here you are on a silver platter, UTI or ear infection or eczema or acne or whatever it was that you suppressed with the suppressive medication now that you have more information on how to go about healing those things in a non-suppressive way, which I highly recommend homeopathy for, um, then you have the ability to fully remove that from your system and that return of old symptoms should not return once it's fully cleared. So, um, this is how you know if you're really clearing the biofilms, the cement, the old antibiotics, et cetera, is if during that time and sometimes you have to be patient. suppressive therapies are very strong. It can take you know three, four, six, eight months to clear something like this. These aren't things that you start working on and in a week you have your UTI back again. Especially when you're using homeopathy, it's a very effective way to remove these biofilms and these um, suppressive therapies. But the remedy needs time to work. And the biggest mistake I see in, in practicing homeopaths or if somebody's you know attempting to um uh, self diagnose and 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 prescribe themselves their own remedy for homeopathy is that well there there's several things but one is that we don't wait long enough before the next remedy the power of homeopathy is in the waiting process because after you take a dose of homeopathy that remedy will continue to work on you in deeper and deeper and deeper layers and levels the longer you let it act. I tell people, call me in eight, nine, 12 months after you take the remedy, and we're going to see some huge progress, and then we'll work on the next layer, right? So um, of course, that's not in every case. Some people need to be seen more than, than that, but in general, the longer we wait after a remedy, you know, and we're assuming it's the correct remedy. Of course, if you take an incorrect remedy, then that's a whole different story. But if you get the correct remedy for the layer you're dealing with, homeopathy, it it will work on you for several months, as long as you don't antidote it, before you need another remedy. And it needs that time to achieve all its tasks. Because we've had so many suppressive therapies, it needs time to act and work. So um, I do want to mention that because if you're thinking, "Oh, cool, I can just try some remedies," you need the correct remedy, you need the correct potency, and you need to allow for the correct amount of time, um, the appropriate amount of time between remedies. So, um, it, it's very important, and I go into detail about this in my practitioner training course. If you're somebody who's Thinking about practicing homeopathy or maybe you've dabbled in it a, a bit, there's a lot to understand to really um, access the the power of homeopathy, which is huge. But most people will take a remedy or they'll say, homeopathy, that did not really work for me. Well, you probably didn't take the right remedy or you anecdoted it by drinking coffee or doing a psychedelic trip or you um, you took another remedy too soon or the potency wasn't high. There's a lot of factors, right? So, but the point is homeopathy is highly effective at chipping away at those biofilms, at that that cement layer that the suppressive therapies cause in our gut and in our immune system. And don't forget like at least 80% of the immune system is located in the gut. So Let's shift gears and talk about sunlight, because sunlight is another superpower when it comes to mold sensitivity. UV light kills mold. Um, We see a lot of UV light filters on things like swimming pools and air filters, and there's a lot here because of its ability to kill mold and certain pathogens in the environment and so um we can also use it to help support mold sensitivity to help improve gently improve i should say um mold detoxification um uvb light's going to help to naturally boost the immune system it's going to help support liver detox um it inactivates microbes and um certain forms of mold and mycotoxins so we can really use this as an asset in healing and overcoming mold sensitivity. Now, as I mentioned when I was talking about Mexico, um, in these tropical areas, these are the areas that tend to have the most mold in the environment. It's tropical, it's humid, it's wet, it's sunny. It can be damp and dark in places. This is a perfect environment for mold, right? So we should see people living in these environments um incapacitated by mold right if it was if if it was that um if everyone struggled with this issue well as long as people are getting enough sunlight exposure especially in the uv range um this should significantly reduce one's sensitivity to mold blue light kills mold now, I'm not talking about blue light from your LED lights that might be in your house or you know something this artificial kind. No, Blue light in sunlight, and the stronger the blue light, the more um of this ability for it to clear mold from the body um or from the environment. so um it it literally causes cell death in certain forms of and in many forms of mold and um we need to make sure that we're getting blue light exposure from sunlight and your blue the blue light in the sky increases like it starts at sunrise right those of you who know the sunlight rx if you don't know the sunlight rx it's literally the most Affordable form of preventative and f- free medicine that you can get. Go to my site heathershepard.com. Go to the resources tab and get a copy of the Sunlight RX ebook. It'll take you through my four-step process of how to use the sun to in in a therapeutic way, and you can absolutely apply each step there to mold sensitivity and how to detox mold from the body a hundred percent. So, um, it, it will aid in this process, but the key is you have to follow the guidelines on the sunlight RX to get those results, you know, and one of those, um, recommendations is you actually have to have your eyes, um, uncovered by sunglasses, right? Forget sunglasses because there's something important that happens. There's a lot of important things that happens when you don't have sunglasses on, but um, your body's able to produce melanin when your eyes are exposed to sunlight. Now, this doesn't mean that you go outside at noon and you look directly at the sun. In fact, that's impossible and that's not a healthy practice. That's not a safe sun practice. You just need to be outside with your eyes uncovered. And if you're like, Heather, my eyes water, I squint when I'm in sunlight. Follow the Sunlight RX because I teach you how to get to a place in just a few days without having to squint when you're outside in, you know, let's say June 21st, the strongest sunlight, and opposite for those in the southern hemisphere. So, but you need your eyes exposed to sunlight and not covered by sunglasses because sunglasses block this process of melanin production so when you're outside in sunlight and you're exposed to uv light what happens is your body and and when you're also in blue light your body starts to produce um uh these melanin producing cells um they're known as melanocytes okay and so your eyes need to be um exposed to sunlight in order for your body, your cells to produce melanocytes. Okay. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that um, often people with mold issues have a very low um, melanin and low melanocytes in their, in their body. You can improve that by getting your eyes exposed to sunlight. You can't just get your skin. There's been very interesting studies. I know I, I've mentioned these here and there throughout the podcast over the years, but um, in order for your body to, um, to tan, no matter what skin type you are, no matter if you're Irish or Kenyan, your skin can darken just by being, by being in sunlight, right? We all know this, most of us have experienced this. So what's the big deal here when it comes to mold and melanin and so forth? Well, there have been studies done in, in many uh, animals and um, point blank, the bottom line is, if your eyes are covered, the skin doesn't tan as well. There's not as many melanocyte cells that actually become activated, and what we need to we need this process. It's a healthy process. We need the skin to actually uh, darken when we're in strong sunlight because it protects us against UV damage. It's actually uh, a very strong anti-cancer agent. That the more tan your skin is, and also what happens is the more melanin you have in your cells, then the less sensitive you are to mold. It's like this this um, built-in mold detox um, source that your body naturally has. So, if you're like, "Heather, I'm Irish, I can't tan get the sunlight rx. It teaches you if you're the palest human on the planet, and i've my my sister has red hair, freckles, she's used to be anyway super pale. She lives in a very tropical environment and She can tan wonderfully. I have many clients like this. Red hair, freckles, they tan no problem by following the sunlight RX. But the key is here, we need your cells to produce melanin in sunlight. And how do you produce melanin? You need strong blue light and you need strong UV light, UVB light. You can can produce some melanin in UVA light and you'll produce melanin in UVB light as well but you have to precondition your skin. You can't just go out at noon and be like, cool, you know, UVB light, I'm producing melanin. That's not how it works. You have to prep your cells in your skin to be able to get to this place that by the time noon comes, your your cells are already prepped to be able to um, produce melanin. You can't just go out and expect to produce melanin if you haven't preconditioned your eyes and your skin with um morning sunlight so that's key and that's something I outline in the sunlight rx but as you get towards the apex of the sun in the day so let's say um let's say you know noon one o'clock the sun is at its apex that's the the most blue light in the sky is going to be at that time so if you're somebody who struggles with mold sensitivity and there's going to be, whenever there's strong blue light, there's always strong UVB light paired with it. These things go hand in hand. They work together with one another. They work in balance blue light helps your body release more and more cortisol into your system. And this is another element that helps with melanin and it helps to protect against UVB damage. The more cortisol that's in your bloodstream by noon, by by the time the sun reaches its apex. And then also you have UVB light there, which if you've preconditioned your skin in morning light and you tan and you're, you're, you're producing more melanin, this is why I sense my wife and I had no issues with mold when we went into the jungle mold pit. I, I really believe that because um, we had a, a solid, I remember that was that year, we had a solid Sunlight Rx practice and we had really good sun exposure by the time we got to Mexico we already had this um, really strong um, UV light built up in our systems, and we had a lot of melanin in our skin by the time we got to uh, to the jungle. So, if you struggle with mold sensitivity, I highly recommend the Sunlight RX and dedicating time each day for that practice, because. Um, literally uh, the sun is is basically free medicine and this can produce huge results but you have there are there is some groundwork to lay it's not just as simple as going out in UVB light and expecting to get the benefits you know there there are a few steps that are really important to take in order to get you to that place. So, um, I hope that this episode has been helpful with regard to understanding mold sensitivity more, understanding root causes of mold sensitivity more, um, having an idea of what you can do about it. Yes, homeopathy. Let's say you're not ready to do that yet, then get your Sunlight RX on. That's going to be huge with regard to giving your your body a really robust... um, you know, resource, so to speak, to defend your immune system against mold and help to detox it as well. And the more um, the more you're in sunlight and those in the Northern hemisphere, this is a great time to do it because, you know, we're moving into summer. This is an amazing time to build up your melanin stores, to practice your Sunlight Rx. And when we do so, we also um, are able to help diversify our gut microbiome. And while I haven't seen sunlight be powerful enough to remove uh, biofilms from the gut and these, these blocks of cement, I have seen a little benefit, like a little bit of light being able to trickle through here and there. And so um, I want to be upfront about the fact that Hey, you probably shouldn't expect to see um, the biofilms make huge strides with the sunlight RX. That's more so where homeopathy shines brightly. but you will you should see, and I've seen in many mold clients I've had over the years make huge improvements just by changing their their light environment and learning the sunlight RX. So um, I hope that was helpful. If you know anybody with mold sensitivity, please feel free to pass this episode on to them. Um, I know a lot of this information isn't made available or isn't known uh, so widely yet. And, um, you know, over the past decade plus, I've had a lot of um, success using this approach for mold sensitivity struggles. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning into today's episode to learn more about my approach to health, to see all of my creations in the kitchen and all of my Sunlight RX tips. You can follow me on the gram at sunlight underscore Rx and subscribe to this podcast to access weekly episodes.